Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Would you bow your heads and would you pray together with me? Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on your word for us tonight. Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, who showers us with many blessings in our life, for which we are thankful. Amen. So I have a question for you as we start the message on this Thanksgiving Eve. Other than your relationship with God, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Think about that for a minute. Other than your relationship with God, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? And um, I'm actually going to ask you to to give me some of these out loud, and we're going to write them down. So uh, so what what are some things you're thankful for? Somebody shout one out. Family, all right, let's put family up there. Grandchildren. Grand, and, well, grandchildren are family, I hope, right? But yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll put them on there. Yeah. By the way, is this cool or what? Gave me an excuse to buy a new iPad, so well, there we go. Yeah, right. Uh, in fact, let's put that down. New <laughs> iPad. All right, good. What, uh, what else are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? What's some more things? Music, I heard. Music and choir, good. And brass, right? Let's uh, make sure we do that. And what, what else? Uh, pardon? Material blessings. That's kind of a broad category. Let's go. All right, material. Did you all hear that? Nick said immaterial blessings, so we'll, uh, there you go. Pastors, I like that one. I heard health, friends, humor, oops, job, food, the bears, there we go. What, what else? I, I'm sorry? Safety. Safety? Homes, I heard. The seasons, although it seems like it's been summer and winter, no fall, right? Yes. Um, well, I count salvation as relationship with God. What, what else? Anybody else? I'm sorry? Freedom. There's a good one. First responders, there you go. 60 years of wedded bliss, right? For the gold shirts, there you go. Feels like 60 minutes. Underwater, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, we could, we, could, we could keep going, but... but but here's my question for you as we gather together on, uh, on this Thanksgiving evening. What if that was all gone? What if everything we just put on that list was all gone? As long as you still had Jesus, could you still be thankful? There's a theologian that wrote a book, and it was entitled, uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
And he was trying to make the point in this book that, that, that literally, if you have Jesus in your life, if you have a relationship with a God that loves you, if you have a Lord and Savior who gave his life so that you could be his, if, if you had that Jesus who forgave all your sins, who, who has promised to be with you always, if you had Jesus and you had nothing else, would you still feel like you had everything? Would you have all that you needed? Could you really still be thankful this Thanksgiving? No, we heard some readings from the Apostle Paul just a few minutes ago. And, and you may know from church history that Paul spent a significant part of his life in prison, specifically in prison in Rome. And uh, one of the things that we know he did while he was in prison in Rome is he did some writing, he wrote some letters, and in fact, we call them the prison epistles. Four specifically that we know of for sure were written while he was in prison. The book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, three letters to three different churches, and then a personal letter to a, a man by the name of Philemon. All of those written while Paul was imprisoned in Rome. Now, we see evidence of that in some of the letters. For example, in Philippians 1, he writes this. He says, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. And we know that Paul, while he was there in prison, was worried he was going to die in prison. In fact, he was in prison because he was awaiting a sentence that would decide whether he was going to be beheaded. And Paul wrote these words as he wrestled with not knowing what his future was going to be like. He said, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want you to think for me, uh, with me just a few minutes about all that Paul lost in his life. I think a lot of people find it surprising to, to think that we believe one of the things that Paul lost was his family, at least his wife. You know, Paul writes about the fact that he isn't married, and in fact, he says he thinks it's best for him to remain unmarried as he continues his work in the gospel. But we also know that at one point, Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the religious leadership of the day, and we know that the rules were, to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. So either they made an exception for Paul as an especially gifted young man, which is doubtful, more likely, Paul at one point had been married and had been widowed. So many church historians believe Paul at some point lost his wife. We also know that Paul did lose that position of authority and prestige in his society. As a member of the Sanhedrin, he was the elite in the society. You know, they didn't have major league sports players to look up to, or, or politicians, well, never mind that, um, or, uh, or other people to look up to in their society. They looked up to their religious leaders. They were the center of the society of the day. And if you were a member of the Sanhedrin, in fact, in one of Paul's letters, he talks about how he, he progressed in his study of the Torah and his leadership in the church beyond his years and at a very young age was given a place of power and authority. In fact, you even may remember in the book of Acts, we learned very early in the ministry of the early church, it was Paul who was persecuting the church of God before he met Jesus, who was given the authority to put Christians in jail. But now Paul's lost that. 
On that road to Damascus when he encountered Jesus and he realized the very people he were persecuting knew the truth about God, he gave up his position of power and prestige. We also know Paul was not wealthy. He gave up much of his material possessions. And in fact, he refused to take any money for spreading the gospel. Instead, he eked out a meager existence month after month, year after year, as he traveled in ministry as a tent maker just making enough to get by. We know that Paul gave up his freedom. We just heard about that. We just talked about that, how these letters find Paul in prison, having given up his freedom for the sake of the gospel. And as we read Paul's letters, we find another thing that Paul gave up. His his sense of self-worth, at least self-worth on his own. In, uh, in early letters, he writes, he describes himself as uh, one of the least among the apostles. In his later writings, he describes himself as the worst of sinners. Paul gave up any hope that he on his own could earn anything in the sight of God. Paul gave up even, church history tells us eventually, his own life. Now, we believe that Paul was released from his prison there in Rome when he wrote these prison epistles, and he went on to Spain to share the gospel there. But church history tells us that he was arrested yet again and brought to Rome yet again, and there, this time, his life was required of him. And his head was separated from his shoulders, and he gave up his life. So think of all that Paul had lost. And yet, look again at the words that he wrote while in prison that we heard read earlier. He encourages the Ephesians to always give thanks to God for everything. Always give thanks to God for everything, writes the man who has given up family and livelihood and power and position and even his freedom. Always give thanks to God for everything. And then he writes to the Philippians, don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. Paul describes a Christian life of thankfulness. He says it starts with praise to God. Earlier in that, Philippians reasons, he talked about uh, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as we've gathered to do tonight. He talked about rejoicing in the Lord. Paul says no matter what our circumstances, no matter what it is we face as we gather together this Thanksgiving, we can praise God. Paul says not only do we praise God, but we pray. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but with petitions and supplications. In other words, he says, get on your knees and go before the Lord your God in prayer. And he says, in the midst of it all, give thanks. Praise, pray, give thanks. Pretty simple. But Paul says, when we do these things... God promises he will do something even more. He will give us a peace, a peace that Paul says is so great we can't understand it. The the older King James translation that I learned as a child was the peace that passeth all understanding, right? 
And he promises that that peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. As you gather this Thanksgiving Eve, prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow, I don't know what's going on in your life. It may be a time of great blessing. Lots of the stuff we listed before up on the screen is yours and you are thankful for it this year. Maybe not. Maybe it's a time of struggle or of loss or of illness or of an uncertain future or of pain or of broken relationships or job loss or underemployment or financial concerns, whatever it is. Paul says the formula is the same. Praise God. Get on your knees and pray. And give thanks no matter what your circumstances. At the beginning of the service tonight, we sang this hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. It's one of my favorites. And uh, it was one of my favorites simply because we sang it every Thanksgiving as a kid growing up. You know, it was one of those familiar hymns that you got to know. And sometimes those familiar hymns can become your favorites, right? But it became even more of a favorite of mine a number of years ago when someone gave me a devotional book. And it was a devotional book based on the stories behind some hymns. And this particular hymn is written by a man named, I don't know, you probably can't read it that small, but a Lutheran pastor by the name of Martin Rinkert. And it was written in the 1600s. Now, uh, Pastor Rinkert was uh, in a walled city called Eisleben there in Germany in the 1600s, and it was during the Thirty Years' War. Now, when he first came to that city, there were, he was one of four pastors there. But as war broke out, and as more and more people streamed into this walled city from the countryside to get away from the war, they brought with them the plague. And there was round after round of sickness that just swept through the city. And also, by the way, a number of different armies fought to take control of the city over the years. Two of the pastors were killed in the first bout of plague that came through. And the fourth pastor, he just ran away. Pastor Rinkert was the only one left, the only pastor left there in the city. At one point during his ministry, he was doing 40 to 50 funerals a day. And one of those funerals was for his own wife. And yet in the midst of that all, he wrote this hymn. Now thank we all our God. Listen to the words of the first verse that we sang just before again. Imagine his circumstances and imagine how could he possibly write, Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things have done, in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love. Countless gifts of love. And still is ours today. You know, as you read through the lyrics of that hymn, there's only one line in the whole hymn that gives you any indication his life isn't just perfect. Do you know what it is? That one little line in the second verse, yes, God, to guide us when perplexed. That's the only indication of the literal hell that he is living in. And guide us when perplexed. I love that hymn. Because it expresses exactly what Paul is talking about in our readings. And with what God is encouraging with us tonight. No matter what our circumstances. In great blessing or in want. 
in peace and joy or in fear and sorrow, we can thank our God. We can thank our God who loves us, who has given us the very gift of himself through Jesus. Amen.